Welcome to Podcast 13. We're in Warren Point today to meet local runner and good friend Eamon Murphy. Eamon Murphy's just returned home from running one of the most iconic ultramarathons, if not the most iconic ultramarathon in the world, um, the Comrades in South Africa. He's been on an amazing journey from start to finish through his training, through his travels, through his, the actual race itself. And I'm really interested in hearing all about it from the man himself. Um, I'm already late, so I'm not going to hang about. It's getting a bit of a trend with these podcasts, but let's jump in to see what he's got to say for himself. So we're here today with Eamon Murphy. He's just returned home from one of the most iconic um, ultramarathons in the world, um, the Comrades in South Africa. Usually at this stage, I introduce the runner. I'm just going to introduce the actual race here. I just wrote down a couple of um, things from the history of the race. So it started on the 24th of May in 1921, and they had 34 people starting. Only mm-hmm. 16 people finished the race mm-hmm. out of the 34. It's an alternate race, so one year they run down, it's mm-hmm. 87 kilometers, the next they run up. Mm-hmm. Oh, sorry, 86, 87 kilometers up, and then the following year they run 90 kilometers down. Mm-hmm. As a cutoff of 12 hours, and um, 50% of the runners finish in the last hour. Are you aware of that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but 20% of the runners don't even finish at all right. on average. Yeah. Um, so I had 34 runners in 1921. The 75th race in the year 2000 had 20, almost 24,000 runners. Mm. Um, average age, I think, is 40 for a woman, 42 mm. for, for a male. And the youngest winner was 19. Wow. Imagine having that fitness at 19 years of age. Mm-hmm. Okay. <coughs> um, I won't tell you what I was doing oh, when I was 19 yeah. years of age. Mm-hmm. And the oldest winner is 46 years of age. Um, so 20% of people don't actually finish the race. So first question I've already got for you is what drew you to the race? It's quite a gruesome uh, challenge. Yeah, I had, um, <coughs> despite all the marathons I'd done, I'd never run an ultra before. Uh, people had said to me over the years, you know, you'd be good for an ultra, you'd be good for an ultra. Uh, it's funny because when I thought of an ultra, I thought of the Morn Way as being one of the toughest, or Causeway. Brutal uh, challenge to take on. So I said, no, I won't do that. But I, I'd heard of Comrades before. It's iconic in the world of running. It's 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 an ultra marathon, but it's on the roads uh, rather than over mountains or anything. So, um, I suppose, and then the history behind it, I'm, I'm kind of attracted to events that are historic mm-hmm. and are iconic and there's things about them. Uh, so as I was turning 50 this year, I decided I will do an ultramarathon. So, but I'll have a look around and see what's there. And I knew about comrades and when I seen it and read about it in the history, I said, that's the one, that's for me. But what I didn't realise then was it's actually the same distance as the ones I would avoid. Same as more than my, same as mm-hmm. So, uh, so yeah, talk a bit about the history then. Well, the history of it is that it was started by a bunch of guys who, um, I think, they were involved in World, World War One. I think they ran together beforehand. And anyway, this guy uh, started it. He, he, he created the first one. And it was done in memory of fallen heroes in World War One. So these guys had lost a lot of friends. And they started this event and ran from Maritzburg, near Maritzburg, uh, to Durban. Uh, yeah, and as you said, there was how many? 40? There was 40, I think 36 people, was it? 34 people started the first, yeah. one only 16 yeah. finished. Yeah. So that's what it was done in, in memory of these guys. So, uh, 
and it's continued on from there and it's this year was the 93rd year so it's changed very very little and that's what I like about it too it's, uh, it's very iconic it's dead the same there's a lot of things about it people mm. don't like there's a lot of things like it's not it's not a chip chip to chip it's a gun to gun event so I started in category D which my, my qualifying time was sub sub four hours so it took me seven minutes to cross the, fin- the start line and mm. I don't get that seven minutes back okay that's on my time already so for people starting further 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 back it becomes 10 minutes 15 20 potentially 20 minutes before you cross that line mm. it's pitch black dark it's 5 30 a.m the street lighting in peter marsburg is very very poor so you can, anything can happen in those <laughs> first in those first 15 20 minutes anything can happen your race can be over but i suppose getting back to the history of it uh, and it's, it's 12 hours for a gun start 12 hours. And the w- so if you, if you start 20 minutes, it takes 20 minutes to get the start, and then you've yeah. 11 hours, 40 minutes. You have 11 hours, 40 minutes to finish it. Yeah. yeah. And uh, that's that's the thing. People think that's wrong, so I don't think that's wrong. I think that's totally it's history, and that's it's just the, part of the race. It is what the event is. Um, that is, what, it's part of the attraction. Mm. Uh, it's part of the excitement, because you'll know then by watching the 12-hour cutoff on television at the at the stadium, it is cruel. It <laughs> looks cruel. It is cruel. But that's part of it, and uh, so. But also along the way, what I didn't realise was until I was training was along the way. There's also cutoff points. Uh, there's cutoff points for 15k, mm. for uh, for marathon distance, and you can be pulled off the road if you don't make those cutoffs. Just devastating. So yeah. there's a whole other thing going on in your mind all the time about. It's not just the finish line. There's several finishes. A little bit of added motivation along the way. There's finish lines all along the way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's, uh, but that's part of it. That's part of the, the attraction to it. Yeah, so talk me. I'm very interested in the race itself. Mm. I know what it's like running an ultra. I know what it's like traveling away. Because mm. um, you really put yourself out there yeah. on Facebook, yeah. etc. Yeah, absolutely. Do you know what I mean? And yeah. um, with that, actually, comes a lot of nerves. Yeah. Because um, you get a lot of support when you're when you away. Tell, mm. tell me about the support when that you received and what actually that means to you when you're away. Well, the support that I received beforehand is just the usual you get. It's great support you get from local running community. Because I'm interested in other people doing their events mm. and their unique events and different events. But uh, I didn't realise until uh, the days, the last couple of days before when I was in South Africa, because I was totally on my own. I'd, I travel alone to a lot of these things, so mm. I don't um, expect much contact with people. So I don't get uh, well, yeah, I don't get homesick or lonely about yeah, it. Right yeah. But there is a time, especially the day before this year. Uh, I think I mentioned to a few people. Um, I developed a head cold on Friday evening, and the race was on Sunday. Now, to me, that just shows you how you can train. You can do your thirty miles, forty miles, forty-five miles training runs. You can eat properly, you can sleep properly, you can save your money to go, you can plan mm-hmm. everything. And ev- and the planning goes into these things, it's serious. And then two days before, a head cold. Now, that can put you out because, it, it, I'm lucky it was only a head cold and not a flu. Yeah. A flu, it would be dangerous to run with flu. But it was a head cold. But I really, really panicked. And I was over there on my own. I was nobody to talk to about it. And I had to kind of pretend to myself everything was going to be fine. Nobody to bounce that off. So it was quite. That was very scary because my race. I was actually thinking my race is over here. Yeah, and you're already nervous as it is. You already nervous as it is, and to to go to comrades as well. <coughs> something like that it's even getting to the start line is a whole marathon in itself because 
You're in Durban stand, but you can get to the start line, which is 90 kilometres away. Finding accommodation or getting a bus deciding which to do, it's a, it's a, it's a whole grueling thing as well. And it doesn't put you at ease at all, right mm. up until the start line you're not. Only when the start gun goes, I'm on my own then, I know I've made it. Yeah. And that's a relief in itself. So, yeah, 100%. so with the head cold and everything, and I was in a chemist. I was in, and people advising me to take this and that and the other. So, um, yeah, and it wasn't working. Whatever they were giving me, it wasn't working. I was pretending it was working. You tell yourself things like that, you know. So, it's amazing what uh, what can just stop your event. Yeah. If you really can, it can stop it. But I, I've had a few things like that have sort of hit me on you know before the long events. Mm. Um, almost. I can think of two or three big long events mm-hmm. I've done which have had to take that to the starting line. Yeah. Something happens when you get to the starting line. Yeah. You sort of click into the zone, yeah. don't you? Like? Definitely. And so the morning of the race then, tell me a bit about that because how many people were running the race? Well, there was 20. Um, I think I've seen statistics since then. The comrades and stuff is very interested in statistics for historical reasons. They want to know mm. what the numbers were. So there was 21,500 registered. I think one and a half thousand of that is international. Take a look myself. Mm. The rest is homegrown, South yeah. African, from all the provinces and uh, countries in, in Africa. Um, I believe the starting line was there was probably three to four thousand didn't even make the starting line. Now mm. it could be illnesses and can be injuries, uh, whatever. But that's the starting line was four thousand less than that, which is incredible when mm. you think about it. And finishing was I think around fourteen or fifteen thousand. So about 25%, 25%. So I didn't really make it. Yeah, so along the way, people don't make it. So anyway, on the morning, so I went up instead. Another good thing about the comrades thing is uh, I just put a message on Facebook the week before uh, that I needed accommodation in Peter Maritzburg. I decided I was going to go up there and stay. I wasn't going to go on a bus the morning of the race because it's leaving things too late. Mm-hmm. It's pushing it too tight. So I got a uh, thing back from a lady who her running club were, had booked a, a B&B type accommodation, a lodge near Peter Marsburg. And they took me in. I stayed on the floor on a on a mattress with and there was six or seven other runners there. So I stayed there. We woke up at two thirty AM Sunday morning at breakfast and then we went. Her husband took us towards the start line. But Peter Marsburg is probably the size of Uri and getting into the town at that time of morning it was absolute bedlam. It was pitch black dark again, street lights are poor, buses, cars coming from everywhere. So we we'd be allowed in the car. To get to the start line. Uh, then I had to find a bag drop. And like I said, there's only um, if it was dark, there's something there, but the street lighting and all was really poor. And I had to go and find. I didn't know where I was going. Find a bag drop. Anyway, I got rid of my bag then, and I was on in my pen, pen D for 4:30 a.m. The race starts at 5:30 a.m. So even now then. What was the temperature like then? The temperature was okay, it wasn't so bad. It was supposed to be a lot colder than it. Apparently it's a lot colder than it, than it, what it actually was. But it was probably 6 to 9 degrees or something. Okay. It wasn't so bad. Yeah, I'd be used to that. We'd be used to that, you know. So we were there waiting for that and uh, waiting around there. And everybody's kind of quiet and into their own thoughts and stuff. And uh, But I was waiting for that iconic moment. Mm. Those three tunes that they play is the South African National Anthem. And a song called Shilzalosa. Have you ever heard of that or not mm-hmm. before? But it's absolutely spine tingling. It's a South African song, and it's about never giving up and no turning back. And it's it was sang during the re- when Nelson Mandela was being released and stuff like that. So it's become very iconic, and it's very iconic associated with um with comrades. 
So they sing that and then Chariots of Fire. But this is, I mean, this is blurred out. All of these tunes <laughs> are blurred out across Brilliant. the whole place. And there's a light show that goes on across the, the City Hall of Peter Marksburg and the Comrades logo and stuff. You get a real sense of yeah. being part of well, that Well, everything that attracted me to it was that starting line video that I had watched about a year ago. I watched that video for the starting line. Spine thing and stuff, and I said, I want that. I want to be that. <laughs> it's, it's quite amazing when you see something like that, yeah. and you think to yourself, Right, that'd be class to do that. Next thing you know, you find yourself in it. Well, this is the way that I still look at my bid number. I think I can't believe my name was on one of my bid mm. numbers for comments. Still can't. Because when I pictured that, when I watched that video about a year ago, I thought, I w- I'd be there. I'd do that. Mm. So, when I'll do it, I don't know, but I just, it was sooner than I thought, I suppose. But and, and time goes by so quickly. Yeah, like I yeah, sort of yeah. set these targets and goals. Next, you know, there's another mm-hmm. one gone. There's yeah, another one gone. Yeah, and yeah, you're looking yeah. back and go, wow, I can't believe I've done that. Yeah, well, when I did something that. like the Palestine one, you know, I thought, wow, that's a one-off. You know, I'm not doing anything like that again. Mm-hmm. But um, a year later, I'm doing this. Yeah, so during the race then, so I know it's like mm-hmm. to run an ultra. Mm-hmm. And I've had some amazing experiences. Mm-hmm. I've met some great people mm-hmm. during the race. Did you encounter people like that through yeah, the race? Can you yeah. can you talk us? But the first the first <coughs> the first ten twenty k was pit in, in darkness, so and it was very close, very compact, so you couldn't get loosened up from people. And so I spent the first twenty k sort of watching the feet where it was going. Mm. There's rain gullies at the side of the road uh, that deep. Uh, there's all sorts of hazards. There's cat's eyes that are twice the size of the ones we have. So you've heard, I've heard stories with people tripping on them, and that's the race over and stuff. So all of this stuff's going on still trying to get through the early stages of it so I suppose when daylight and stuff breaks in you're sort of having a look around you and you're feeling a bit freer and stuff and they, yeah just incredible people like just people had done they met people when you're running behind someone in common as you were a front number and a back number uh, stipulating in the rules but when you're running behind someone on the one side of their number is the category they were in and on the other side the number of medals they have so I have a zero in mine and comrade so, medals then yeah it would be the number of comrades you've done so you've run up beside somebody and you see eight and then you see thirty two and you say <laughs> <laughs> But I'm in their company, like I'm running with them, yeah. you know. Like I ran behind a guy at one stage later on in it and I had fourteen K to go. We were in Durban City, fourteen K to go, and this man was walking. Now you get a special you get a number, a green number when you've done ten of these, and that number remains yours. Nobody else gets that number. Oh, when you've done ten comrades, there's all these different yeah. Things associated with it. Um, I've seen that if you've done 25 and it's free to enter after yeah, that. Yeah, it's continuously honouring runners through mm-hmm. this event, you know. So the, the green number is famous because if you do 10, you get the number. And you get this green uh, embroidered number. It's fully embroidered. And you wear that every year after. But I came up behind this guy with about 12, 15 k to go. And I was running. And I was feeling okay. This guy was walking and he was struggling bad. And I didn't know, I didn't realise. And uh, I came up behind him and said, come on, mate, come on, come on, 12, 15 k you do this, you know, and uh, no, 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 and, uh, and then I looked at his back, and he had n- nine on, and uh, I said, "Come on, you got to do this." I said, "Green numbers waiting for you over there," and uh, he says, "Right, right, right," and I ran on, and about three or four k on down the road, he came up behind me, and he seemed like obviously seen head not, and like he couldn't take me enough. He says, "I can't believe that." He says, "You have none of these medals yet." And I said, mm-hmm. "No, but I'm getting one," and he says, "No, oh, thanks for that wee cheer on," you know, and that was somebody who'd yeah. done nine of these events and struggled. And so it's never. I've met people. I've met people on the route who had done four but failed three more. On top mm-hmm. of that, the mind. The mind's an amazing thing when you're running an ultra because yeah, yeah. it only takes one thing mm. to sort of lift you up yeah, yeah. And, and keep yeah, you going. Yeah, yeah. 
I know when I've done the Race of the Stones, I've sat down on the ninth fuel station. Yeah. I only thought there was eight fuel stations yeah. to begin with, and here yeah, I was sitting yeah, on the ninth, there was actually ten. Yeah. And I thought to myself, I, I can't get up here ag yeah, again. Yeah, and then some guy spoke to me, and next thing you know, I was running. Yeah. The last 5k, I was, I was yeah. running again. Um, during the race, then, you always get low points mm. during ultras. Did you have any low, low points? <laughs> <laughs> a few um, did, did, you ever, did you ever feel that because oh, it's, it's about patience really isn't yeah, it it's yeah. about keeping one foot in front of the other yeah um, I have to say honestly and I have to be very honest about this there's no point in that event I felt great mm. and that was because I had the head coach it was still with me the whole time so I from the start line was battling to finish that so yeah. no point in you sort of carry that on your well, sleeve, don't to, you? I like to, and I was there to finish that, and <coughs> I wasn't not going to finish that. Mm -hmm. So, and within the 12 hours, like this thing about you give, you're still a finisher if you go in over 12 hours and stuff like that. But to me, that would be, that's okay, but to me, that wouldn't yeah. be good enough. So, um, there's nothing more to say about it than that. I had to work hard for that. I just had to work, because I had definitely was carrying the head cold. I felt weak start, at the starting line, mm -hmm. no matter what I did, breakfasts and medications and whatever I tried to take. But I had to be careful not to take stuff I wasn't used to take and stuff. Yeah. so I just thought I got the knuckle down and do this. Yeah, one, one of the podcasts I did there was with Linda Cunningham yeah. and lucky enough I'd done it just before I'd done the Edinburgh thing yes, yeah. and what I took away from her really was, you know, it doesn't matter how you're feeling and what the weather's yeah. like, you just take one mile at a time and yeah. just adapt yeah, to that yeah, yeah. and when I went to Edinburgh the same happened to me, mm. I took a chest infection mm. and I'd done the 10k and 5k on Saturday and yeah. The night before the half and full marathon, yeah. I was up all night coughing and choking. I had two and a half hours sleep. That was it. And got, I was lucky to get some bits to stop that. Mm. But that just resonated with me. Mm. I didn't, and it really calmed me because mm. it's just like, do you know what you do? You just yeah. adapt one mile yeah, at a time. Exactly. You have, that's, that's what it is, Robbie. You have to adapt. And I ran, I, I had all these things <laughs> in my head thinking, right, okay, so it's dark, it's cold, uh, it's mild. So what I do is I'll get out and I'll run my first marathon quick so that I've less to mm. do um, you know when it gets really hot then I'll probably deal with it now. but then I had to pull back and say no no that's not the plan I had so yeah. come back to where your plan was which was my plan was basically if my average was sub four hour marathon I had a three comrades as a four and a half for each marathon yeah. and then give yourself another hour in case something goes wrong mm. right for those bits of pain and aches and if you need to stop so then that's what I did and uh kept an eye on the watch only to finish under 12. I definitely believe without a head coach I would have had a far better time than I did. Yeah. Definitely would have because um, just by doing the training distances I know that. So you're in great form though. Yeah up to that's why I'm very tempted to go back. Yeah. There's, there's people saying now apparently I'm still a novice because you're only a comrade runner when you've done the up run as well. I've done what's called the yeah. down run. So apparently I'm still a novice <laughs> which I'm not happy about. <laughs> what what did you do a fuel then through the race? Uh, well, I had um, when I was training, um, as I'd never done an ultra before, um, I kind of Frank McKenna was trying to sort of guide me and stuff, and uh, you know the way I would have started out as sweets and gels mm. and bars of chocolate and all this here, and he's like lighten your lighten your load if you can, you know, and use less of that sort of stuff. But I used tailwind powders. I think it was. Um, Anna Marie McCleary, I met her when she was doing the Belfast to Dublin thing and she showed me those things and I, I got them and started using them in training. So tailwinds basically, you know, you're 
as a whole, the car okay. and, yeah, and everything in it. So I was using a two litre um, hydro pack a bladder and, mm-hmm. and I was running and training like that. So and I'd done away with all the other stuff. And that done me good. Like so I would have just like, good practice like porridge or something and head out for a day's running. So yeah, maybe the old bar of chocolate with me, but basically that was it. Yeah, you weren't really getting solids or anything on Well on on comrades you see you have a couple of options you have. You can pay a company who have three tents on the route and they'll have your stuff there for you. You can give okay. it to them at the expo. You pay them and they, they look after that. Or a lot of people have second teams teams mm-hmm. with them or running clubs have tents all along the route. So I know my own I didn't have any of that, so I had to decide what I was gonna do. So I decided I had a waistband with just the powders in it to carry my own water bottle all the way. So at periods I six six sachets of powders. So I used them throughout mm-hmm. by adding water. And then along the way there was the baby boy potatoes and bananas and oranges. Oh, very so I don't it's quite self sufficient. So yeah, uh, I went on the race of stones there was mm. ten fuel stops, or nine fuel yeah, stops. Yeah, yeah. And each one had it's like walking into a sports shop. Yeah, you could yeah, take yeah, what, yeah. whatever you want. Yeah, and like, you can take too much of that stuff. Yeah. Well, I, when I got to like stop eight or nine, mm. I'm just sick of looking at it, you know. Yeah, I just want yeah. steak and chips and a pint. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So you can yeah, you can overdo it and all that stuff and you need to be careful that you don't you're not eating stuff that's not mm-hmm. you know, there's all these Juices and drinks. And um, what were the conditions like on the day then? Was it windy? You no, know, very, very lucky that it was mild. Mild on any day. Not much wind. Very lucky. Was the days leading up to it? The days leading up to it that I was there, uh, it was 22, 23, 25 yeah. degrees, you know, and then all of a sudden on the day, I don't know what it was, I think it might have been around 20. But yeah, later on in the day. warm enough. Yeah, later on in the day, it was probably 23. And humid as well. Driving, it was very hot. Not so much humidity, you know, but mm. heat. 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 Later, you're lucky with comrades at 5.30 a.m., 6, 7, probably 10 a.m., 11 a.m., it would start to warm up, but I was lucky it stayed kind of mm. overcast even. And see, when you talked about, you come up behind your guy, you had yeah. nine, like, you obviously connected with him, yeah. you know, and you pushed him on. Yeah. Has anybody done that to you? Can you think of a, uh, anybody you came in contact, just said something or picked you up? Um, Nothing jumps out mm-hmm. like that, you know. Maybe I just blanked out. Because I, 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 I done the Monway Ultra. Mm. I can think of a, a few in each of the races. Mm. The Monway Ultra, and it was like at mile, I don't know what it was, mm. forty. Like I hardly walk. Yeah, yeah. I was walking and walking. The mm. guy came up to me, and he said, "How are you getting on?" Mm. I said, "Ah, just didn't get my legs going again." Mm. Like, you doing an ultra. It's meant to hurt. Yeah, you think it doesn't hurt me, do you? Hurt, he says, yeah. "Just need to get going. Yeah, yeah. Give off to me," and he yeah, ran yeah. on. Yeah, yeah. And I started running then. Yeah, yeah, I was feeling yeah. sorry for myself. I yeah, started yeah, running yeah. after about a mile later, my legs mm. come back again. Do you come back to you though? And I thought, yeah, mm. but he knew what he was doing. Yeah, He'd yeah. done that on purpose, just trying to. Yeah, I think sometimes the, the problem ass. is once you stop once or twice, it's very hard not to stop. You know, you mm. keep stopping this. You get a bit of comfort. Yeah, a bit of comfort from it, knowing that, uh, you know, well, there is a point you can say to yourself, well, when it's really tough, you say, I'm run to that lamppost. Now I'm walking, now I'm run to that lamppost. Yeah. And you do that. And I did do that at times, because remember, Frank and somebody saying that to me, if you're struggling like that, rather than walking and or giving up, take, That's it, like take, take a, a landmark and look at it and say, I'll run, I'll run to that and then I'll walk to the next bit. Because yeah. like, it's, it's not, I, I respect anybody that does the others all the time, but I don't know how they do it. Because mm. that's... But I think that is a really good piece of advice, is sort of have a plan B. If you have yeah. to walk, go into a structured walk. Mm-hmm. Um, so even the second half of Edinburgh, 
I went to run 35 steps, walk 15, run 35, mm. walk 15. You're still holding your pace. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But if I didn't have that, I'd end yeah. up walking and just lose my head. And you're yeah, walking yeah, for, yeah. next you know, you're feeling sort of, you've walked half yeah, a mile yeah, and you don't yeah, even yeah, realise yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's good to fall yeah, into some yeah. sort of, even with I the lamppost the, or anything. The, the thing about the comrades was, what got surprised me was, uh, it was called the down run. <laughs> there was no down. And I can tell you it was no down <laughs> run because I really was no down run. There's hills on it were serious hills. I had a guy, uh, I was living at it before, uh, yesterday, a guy who, uh, Stephen Toe, you know Stephen Toe? I know him, yeah. yeah so he had done it, had he? No, he did a run, I'm not sure if he did it or not, he did a run there in Scotland there the other night. Or not Scotland, uh, somewhere in like Norway. It was yeah, I've seen that, seen that uh, today. Uh, in the middle of the night it was bright or something. Sun, something. But he, he analysed the route of the down run and he says, uh, he posted it last week, he says, if you look at it, when you leave part of Peter Marsburg, that's called the downhill run. He says, it's 90 kilometres, but in that 90 kilometres is the equivalent of climbing Ben Nevis. <laughs> that's what he said. And he says, if you, and he worked out the different gradients in it. So what I ran was 90 kilometres, but also climbing Ben uh, yeah. And I tell you, he's not far off, because that's what, some of the hills on it were crazy hills. And uh, so it'd be interesting, uh, the up run in it, but, there's the comrades has parts of the road that are just landmarks. Like there's monuments on the side of the mm. road and says this this is in Changa Hill, this is famous for Canada. And there's actual monuments permanent on the road. And then Changa is a hill where um, I'm sure the other side of it coming up for the for the other year is the same. But we I'm going up it and uh, I think just see it for two miles. It's going it's like a it's like a snake, like a mm. Tour de France head, you know. <laughs> no, I ain't thinking it's a, I walk that. Majority of that time I walked it because yeah. I looked at that and I thought this is one of those points where this is your day stuff here if you, if you want yeah, to do yeah. this and it and they have what they call in cameras buses and bus drivers basically they're pacing teams so you hear people talking about buses and bus drivers bus driver needs to look after that bus better and, so basically they're going up the hill in a in a in a team and these big black guys and they have a rhythm to it and they're doing these sing songs up the hill and it's a rhythm to keep them all moving as a Keep more motivated going up. But uh, there's people at the back end of that bus, and uh, when I got up to the top of the hill, I was passing, and they were bucked. Yeah. Um, so it's a thing to do. Uh, you're using your common sense. Mm. How are you going to get up that hill, or how are you going to get down the other side of it? Depends on your level of fitness, doesn't yeah. it? Um, yeah. Any old try done, I walk all the uphills and run mm. down. Right. It's just sensitive running yeah. because I've seen it before in the quadrathon and done all, going up in a more gap. There's very few people run up my more gap, but those that do, well, anytime I've seen it happen is I've passed them on the other side. Mm. Well, I, I, when I was training for the, the Mon Way, mm. I did the Mon Way Marathon, yeah. all from Cabroni to Newcastle, yeah. two or three weeks in a row. And the first week, I ran the whole thing. Mm. The second week, I walked every uphill yeah. and walked down, yeah. and I was like 11 minutes quicker. You were quicker. And I was quicker yeah. walking the uphills and running the down yeah. than I was actually trying to run yeah. the whole thing. So. Coming near the finish line then, yeah. tell me about your emotions when you actually seen the finish line, you know you're going to make it, because it can be quite overwhelming, can't it? It's very overwhelming, there's no doubt about that, because I, well, there's a few other places then I wasn't looking forward to, like Frank had told me about. <laughs> Blame Frank. <laughs> Frank for everything, yeah, and, uh, but he's great because uh, I've come to this place called Cowie's Hill. Well, there's, first of all, there's Steens Hill, which is about two or three kilometres of a run downhill on a motorway, but at that stage you've run... 70, 60, 70, yeah, yeah. kilometres. You're coming down that, and it is, and I'm telling you, I have like blisters and everything on my feet at this stage. So you're coming down that, and you're thinking, 
oh it's good to see you down here it's not good to no, see you down <laughs> so you're like coming down there very tentatively and you can see everybody like coming down there very tentatively but, but when you see the city the edge of the city and stuff uh, it's, I, I came to the edge of the city and there was a sign that said 20 kilometers to go like that's, <laughs> it's constantly constantly but Franklin said, said to me as well about comrades it's not the hills that are in comrades it's where the hills are yeah. every time you think this is done you'll make another one and that's true like that is really because so you can't get comfortable so when it came to Cowie's Hill which is probably the last major hill the edge of the city and I think it was 15k to go and at the bottom of that hill there was these people started shouting Eamon 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 and I said what the fuck so I was hallucinating and these people said and they had a little paper dinner plate with my name on it and it was Frank's family Members of his family. And they, they like, still live there, do they? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Frank's from a place called Pinetown. He's another yeah, historic yeah. place in the room. So they were there and called me over the side. I had, been, I had been walking at the time. And I said, first thing I said to them, oh, Frank's people. Yeah, we're all Frank's people. Great to see him and you're doing great. The first thing I want to tell you is when you're talking to Frank, I was running, not walking. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, don't worry about it, don't worry about it. And offered me food and was like, all right, and everything, all right, and okay. And I said, now, Ordinarily, in a run, I'm very like, I won't stop for stuff like that. Yeah. I'll just keep going. Keep going. But I definitely stopped for that. Because yeah. I needed that, like, I needed that at that point. Because I knew what was ahead of me, I just looked and seen his head coming, how he's held, and I'm like, fuck. Uh, and before that, there's a big long stretch of city road, you know, inner city road, horrible mm-hmm. to run on, not nice to run on, you know. I'd rather be soon about the middle of the country running. The miles seem to go quicker. Yeah. yeah, and was it all like sort of motorway sort of a run? Oh no, no, no. The, the, I think it must be the old Marinsburg Road because but there's times you crossed over the motorway bridges and into these different villages. And it was an incredible route, absolutely mm. incredible. I mean, I would tell anybody to do it, anybody that loves running mm. to come because it's it is. Um, I suppose I'm a wee bit negative about it, saying you know the cold and head cold to shut on this and shut but uh, it's, it's it's probably taken me an hour a while too to get suck it all in. But the landmarks on it, the roads and stuff, it's like there's probably a million people on the route. Okay, so from early in the morning, as soon as daybreak goes, you're running on the road, and then the, the sunlight comes up, and all you can see in front of you for three miles is mass movement of people. It's that the roads are that small that it stays together like yeah, that. You know the way yeah. in the big cities it spreads out, and everybody around the corner you won't yeah. see one person, but but this is just a mass movement of people, and it's incredible to see it, especially if the sun's coming up, and you're in a place like there's a place in the valley of a thousand hills. We are coming down, um, and it's just mountains as far as you can see, Drakensberg Mountains and stuff like that, and uh, all these historic places associated with comrades. But you, so I was soaking all that up. I was like, yeah. wow, this is like this is the event. Like, um, the Wall of Fame. Did you see the photo of it where you have yeah. like, you the wee plaques on the wall and stuff. So what was that about? That was if you finish comrades, you can buy a plaque and put that on the wall. It's there forever. Like, so did you buy a plaque? Not yet, no, because I, I had to wait till I finished. Like you know. I oh, I, I wouldn't dare buy one of you. You can buy it any time after. I can buy that and my race number goes on that, you know. I oh, have to do that. Yeah, so I might do that, you know. Uh, so that was a fascinating place to see. And you're running past all these places and then there was things things that inspired me, I suppose, along the way. Was we visited a school two days before I went on a bus tour up the route to look at the route. Mm-hmm. Good idea. Uh, but this special needs school along the way, which is heavily supported by the international end of it. Runners because we were doing the school a couple of days before, all these kids there, special needs, blind, deaf, the black kids with albino skin. Mm-hmm. The families just not get rid of them, but they hide them, get in there. There's mm-hmm. kind of a what would you call it, a relief thing, there's something wrong. 
Yeah, okay. So it's all just different tribal stuff and all that. But uh, yeah, so on the race day then we can pass them again. But it's a Sunday, but all the kids are there in a school uniform. And uh, another thing that happens along the route is you can you can see smoke from eyes. People have lit fires and uh, barbecues and mm-hmm. you know, people have beers and stuff like that. And there's one family around at 6 a.m. in the morning, and an older couple, and they just pulled the bed out of the bedroom, put the bed on the side of the road, so the bed watching them having their breakfast, <laughs> watching the family, you know, it's just. Uh, and they do that every year, that's what happens, you know. Uh, yeah, just stuff like that all along that whole route. But getting back to that finish thing was coming, Clarys Hill, I met Frank's people, and uh, that gave me a wee boost then. And I ran a bit of Clarys Hill, actually. And it would get so steep and jump in, so yeah. I would save myself for the last, you know. And then you come down through the city a bit, and you there's a bit of motorway stuff in there. But everything's closed, you know, the whole road is closed. But then you can see the Moses Medina Stadium is the new finish line. It was Kingsmead, like it's a cricket ground. You can also see it. But when you see Moses Medina Stadium, like obviously my accommodation overlooked that where I was staying, but I didn't see it all week. And uh, I was looking at it, but it didn't seem to come closer. It just wouldn't come closer, you know. And I knew it was well within my time then. And yeah. Just soak it up. But uh, it, was in, it was incredible, most incredible. Did you have any cramps or anything like that? Long really cramp, no. No. I stopped, I think, once or twice people were putting. Uh, Cool arnica yeah. gel and on, on the legs. I got a few bits of that, you know. Near but the end. But the twelve hour, hour cut off, it can be. It takes one or two cramps. To, yeah, no, I didn't to, cramp. To stop you, like go. I think I seen a statistic that was like, on average, forty three percent of people cramp mm. during the race. Yeah. yeah. Cause I could hear people along the way coming down Fields Hill, that, <coughs> that big hill that's three or four kilometres long. It's just a steep hill. I could hear behind me, you know. Ow, ow. <laughs> you have to be careful in the last flight coming yeah. home from Boston because I cramped quite badly when I mm. travelled and the air hostess told me that on a transatlantic flight you lose two litres of water really? so even just in the flight because they have to drink yeah, water yeah. the air hostess well that's good. why I, I arrived there four days before the event yeah that was uh, good for me. which was a good plan mm. and I stayed for four days after um, to look around me but uh, yeah the finish thing going into Moses Medina Stadium was just absolutely incredible. Like, even mm-hmm. like that stadium's huge, but um, I got a new lease of energy or something in the last couple of couple of kilometres. I was like bouncing along like this, because uh, I knew I was there. Yeah. I knew I was well in the time, and I was saying to myself, "Well, then get ready for this atmosphere. Get ready. Soak this up. Yeah, because this is all off. Like. Every second. Yeah. So then you come towards the stadium, and there's a balcony on the outside of the stadium. Runs around. There's thousands of people on it. That's even before you get into it. And uh, then along the railings, other people there. And it's, the, it's the only time I think in the whole race I felt like I have a bit of space here, you know, on my own. Because you're never really alone in it, you know, there's that many people. But then you go through this kind of a tunnel, and you can see that green carpet, you know, you're heading to see it. The noise is just. So I said in a Facebook post there recently about it, it's like for a fleeting moment you get to feel how Lionel Messi, Ronaldo, mm-hmm. or Rory Best. Or the Tour de France leader would be. You just yeah. get that for you're getting that for a couple of minutes. Brilliant. Yeah. And when you cross over that line, then because mm. everybody else is in the same boat, mm. obviously. Um, can you remember what it was like when you? It's what I thought it would be like. Now I suppose it was um, when you leave in the morning. It's dark, so it's pitch dark in the morning, and the time of year that we're, we're coming as is always winter time, so it's actually getting dark again that early. Not where when I finished, but. When the 12 hour finish is not going to definitely come dark, but you can see it getting dark again. Mm-hmm. So there's that kind of evening light spotlights around in the, yeah. around the finish area. 
and that's what I remember seeing in the videos and stuff. And uh, so it was what I thought it would be. And uh, but I went in and soaked up that bit, came up the the grass at the side of the football pitch, like and looked up at that iconic green mm. thing, the comrades finish, you know, and uh, looked at my time, you know, safe enough. And uh, what what was your what do you think was your biggest mistake during the race? But from the longer uh, races, probably, I always probably a few many stops. Yeah. Probably taking too many breaks. But I was um, giving myself, I was telling myself, look, you're fighting hard here because you have the head cold and you're going to do it in 12 hours, so take what you need to take. Because mm-hmm. any more, I, to be honest, at the, this might be, this is quite honest, I shouldn't really be saying this, but it's honestly, I went to the expo and I bought a 10 hour pacing band. Mm-hmm. So there you go. So I was 10 hours 58. As I now, I this was on Thursday or Friday. I went to the expo on Thursday. No sign of any cold out, and I bought a 10 hour pacing band. And it's one of those, you know, click. So that was my kind of. And I, what I would have done with that was I would have said a 10 hour. It's probably been a bit too cocky, but I just thought with my training and how I was training, I had that in me. And I thought to myself, again, I'll put that on my wrist. And if somewhere along the line, especially with one marathon distance done, if it ain't working or I feel like I'm pushing this mm-hmm. too hard for 10 hour, I'm backing out of it. And then that's where your backup plan comes in. Yeah. So then on Friday night, what had I done? i tell you what it was. I was on the tour bus of the route. And I believe I got a head cold. Being on a bus with no air conditioning, mm-hmm. there's 50 other runners on that. Somebody's carrying something. Yeah. Somebody's carrying something. And it was after the tour of the route that that came along. Yeah, that could happen. And that's what happened, I believe. And I woke up and I'd already two day and a day and a half ago bought my pacing band. Saturday morning I got up and I was sneezing and my throat was sore and I was like, I'm sure you can imagine, Robbie, you're on mm-hmm. your own in another country and they build up to something like comrades. And to be getting up in the morning and feeling like that. And you're on your own, you to bounce that off. It's like, oh shit. It'd be a nightmare, that. Yeah, you know, it's like. Because uh, you, you need a bit of reassurance. You need reassurance, and then everybody's. Because at the end of the day, you know, you, you, you made it to the start line, you made it to the finish line. Yeah. But it's hard work, and you have to do that in a couple of days. Very like. hard work. I mean, and then there's worse things can happen. Mm-hmm. So, when you weigh it all up. And you're training then for that, because on Facebook, you're doing quite a. You've done a lot of yeah, I big miles actually, I you, know, you put the effort in. I did work hard because I wasn't taking it light, like I wasn't going to the other side of the world to do something like that and not be, pr- and mm-hmm. every mile of training I needed to do. Brilliant. If I was doing that again and it was the uphill run, I'd train harder, mm-hmm. potentially. More uphill. So yeah. how, did, how did you enter the race? How did I enter? How did that all come, so how, if somebody was going to do that? Like myself, okay. for example. Okay. <laughs> well I first of all would rather be telling anybody that could do it. That's my first answer. Mm. So that's my first answer. So and then you just uh, So what, what happened is entries open in September. Um I think that's for overall, not just the yeah, it's two hundred pounds, two hundred and six pounds to enter. Um locals in South Africa are paying a lot less than that. They're probably paying the equivalent of fifty or sixty pounds. But there's a lot of income there isn't it the same as yeah. poverty there and stuff like that. So to keep it available to everybody. So I paid two hundred and six pounds, I entered about September. So it's open to everybody. Yeah, pay everybody. entry. Yeah, yeah, everybody gets in. Pay, pay, and you'll get in. But if it was so that, like, if you left it to November, December, I wouldn't do that. Mm-hmm. So do it early. So September. it can sell yeah. out. But what can also happen as well is in January and February, there's a substitution thing where people have decided through injury or whatever or work commitments or something's happened, they they're not doing it. So the, the entries, international entries, come back in again. I know loads of people who got that quite easily so 
But you wanted to do it out of base, set yourself ready. And the flights then, where did you fly? Flights, I went to Emirates and I flew from Dublin to Dubai, seven and a half hours. No, eight hours. And then Dubai to Durban, which was seven hours. It was a long journey. And then did you have a bus journey after that? Uh, no, I just got a, like a, I met an English guy on the uh, in the airport and I'm used to the way, he was carrying his gear. And he says, are you from the Commonwealth? Yeah, where are you heading? He says, I'm heading to the city, to the hotel, that's for sure, and Uber. And he's yeah, up, Uber's me. everywhere. Absolutely brilliant, though. <laughs> brilliant. Because initially I was going to hire a car. Yeah. Um, but I'm glad I didn't. Because I got everywhere I needed to go with Uber, you know. That's another one of Frank's tips. Mm-hmm. You know? So, yeah, so, yeah, I travelled in, uh, in the city and that day, and then that was... Right, yeah. the so traveling afar is not something new to you. Like so no. you, you've done another one that sort of stands out is the Great Wall, mm. China yeah. marathon. That was a major sort of traveling a lot in that too. Is it big traveling in that? Yeah. And but that, again, it's another iconic sort of. Yeah, yeah. It's an iconic landmark. It's an iconic so landmark, so. I suppose, and uh, it's, it's a tough. It's all steps, isn't no, it? St- so. a lot of, well, I'd say about fourteen miles of it. Fifteen, fifteen miles of it is on the wall. Mm. And the rest is coming off the wall or back onto it and getting through wee villages and stuff, which is great. Brilliant, That's really, great really nice, yeah, really nice. And then touching on um, what you said earlier about you know you like to do. There needs to be some sort of connection with the race <laughs> that you're doing, doesn't <laughs> yeah, it? So yeah, you take yeah. Palestine. So yeah, well that was it. That was. Um, <clears throat> I'm really glad I did that and I would do it again. Um, it's not one that would co- come up on people's no, radar. No, really, I think what happened was a few years ago. Um, We'd been in Derry Marathon and some of our friends had met a couple of guys who were over in Derry from Palestine and they had been talking to, the reason they were over was they were getting support from, from people in Derry about their own marathon that they were talking about doing. And I got talking to a few of them and they said, yeah, well, actually, what, what, are you doing your own marathon? They said, yeah, because we want to show you that when you're in Ireland here or wherever you are, you can run 26 miles, you know, and go and you can make up all these lovely routes and stuff and it's nice. Just, we can't do that because if we try to create a map and we go four miles that way, we get a checkpoint, we go five miles that way, we hit a wall. Or you know, or we could be just stopped and we could just say, You're not having this mm-hmm. anymore. So said we love running just like you used to. We have we're runners too, but we can't run freely. Like you can run freely. So we're here to tell you about that mm-hmm. and we're here to run Derry Martin, they're supporting us and uh, that was the crux of that. And uh, I shared my name on Facebook with them and they shared my name on Facebook and they said would you come sometime uh, would anybody from Northern Ireland actually I'll come sometime definitely I'd like to sign to that so it was probably two or three years later I did go then but I went through and um, I just was interested in the story about that mm. that um, we take it for granted don't well we? I suppose probably where we live here like me and you can go out there into the mountains and we yeah. could run for 50 minutes and you know there'd be no mm. stopping us so I think it's a, it would be it's a shame that even running be curtailed you know, by somebody, you know, by yeah. something. And to be fair, my opinion of the thing in Palestine after seeing it stuff is yes, there is people who would on purpose just go out and put their hand up and say, No, you're not running anymore. And it's vindictive and it's uh, there's an undercurrent of um, oppression for the sake of oppressing people. Mm-hmm. And that's as far as I would go with it. I wouldn't go with it, you know, and that's not nice. Like for mm-hmm. something like running, uh, anything to do with sport but I felt that oppression there and uh, so anyway when I went to do that um, again I looked at it and researched it a wee bit I didn't just go over um, blind to it um, you know it, it wasn't one of the best organised marathons you know it's just 
I think they're ready at any time to go the toad now. So they're not yeah. thinking of logistics and details. They're just thinking of getting this thing started and getting it finished. So for instance, like we started and the next thing was kids out starting as well and everybody started the same time. It was a fun run. So how many was there running? Oh, I'd say it was probably running the marathon. There was probably only about 900, but there's mm. 6,000 in the event. You know, families walking, families walking and we 10k runs and mm. all this. Sort of, so it's six or 900 runners running the marathon. What does um, it mean to them? It's, well, it sounds like it's more than running, doesn't it? Oh, it's definitely. Oh, it's definitely. That's why you have a statement. That it's a statement of, of freedom to move. Just, mm. just to be f- the freedom to move around in their own, in their own area. And um, a lot of work goes into making sure that happens on the day. And you know, anybody I met there, and this is my opinion, anybody I met there never talked about violence or fighting anybody. That's the truth of it. Um, they were just good people who wanted to be able to get around, move around, do their thing. And, uh, and that's what happened in the day. It was, it was like that, you know. Mm. Yeah. And like going to all these different places, it has to have an impact on yourself. Mm. And I'm imagining a place like Palestine would have, you know, a lot, there's a, find a, a large takeaway that comes away from yeah. that, like appreciation maybe when it you come back. It humbles you a wee bit and maybe grateful for what you have, mm. you know. Um, so we're very quick here yeah. to turn around and say, you know, and moan about what we have yeah, and our yeah, lives yeah, and all yeah, this yeah, good stuff. Yeah, yeah. Or, you know, we could say things like, um, uh, even in events, you know, well, that medal wasn't great, or, you know, can I get a t-shirt with that as well, yeah. or, you know, or there was no bananas, or, <laughs> or the, we got cups instead of bottles of yeah. water. I hear that one sometimes, you know, the Belfast stuff. We should have got bottles with the cups and stuff, and you go on. You need to we step back a wee bit and you'll be glad to be able to do what you're doing. Yeah. So, I'm all, all for professionalism and all in these events and all, but sometimes you just sort of, like in, in South mm. Africa, the, as well as all the joyous stuff I've seen with the comrades and the com- camaraderie that goes with it, there's a hell of a lot of poverty. Mm. Uh, you know, I was coming home to my accommodation at night and there was guys just rolling up in their blankets. I mean, not just everywhere. Yeah. Worse than you'd see here. Uh, so yeah, so I think all these places you go to, maybe you see um, more than just a running for me sometimes. Yeah. So you, you talked when I came in there, um, how many marathons you've yeah. sort of run. Yeah. So you started running about eight years ago for marathons. Two thousand and ten was nearly was my first one. That was your first marathon. Mm. So how many marathons have you run since then? Well, with comrades on Sunday last Sunday, that was sixty. So that was your sixtieth marathon mm. in eight years. So that's on average. I want to count that as two marathons though, because <laughs> it was two marathons. But I've been told I'm not allowed to do that. It's one event. It's one event. It's one event. So, um, so you're not allowed to do that. So you, you've obviously got the the hundred marathon club on your Maybe, on your yeah, mind. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I yeah I do have yeah, and I have uh, I have my fifty medal and my twenty five medal. But to be honest, that's not my race to get yeah. to hundred. You know, I'd rather build that with. I'd rather do seventy marathons, but they're more they're all interesting marathons. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? But I do. Yeah, of course, everybody has targets. So where where have your sixteen been? You've done a lot of. Um. Well, Which you, one have you run the most? I think Dublin seems to be the one, six of them. Okay. Five nearly. I would have loved to have been six this year. Mm, <laughs> uh, I've done four dairy, I think. I've done two quadratons. And that's four marathons? That's what it is. Yeah, four marathons and you, four days. You've done that twice. Done that twice. So I'm really interested in that and yeah. how, your, how your body's able to pick up the next day yeah. and keep going. I think um, what interests me about quadraton is well, there's a couple of things that interest me about it. It's just, it's very laid back. It's any ability can do that. Mm. Um, I, uh, what would I say about it? I like, 
It's like the laid back of it that you get up each day and you run a marathon. And you wake up and you have a marathon. And you have to say that the, the, where these things are held is just phenomenal. It's the scenery. Mm. I'd never really spent any time in my life in, in a show. Like, ever. Like, we had been on family holidays growing up all around and don't see that we ever went to a show. Absolutely stunning. Seems to be like a good connection. Stunning part of the world. Those type. It's just like the essence, the true essence yeah, of running. Yeah, well that's you know what I mean. It, it brings you back running. to. Yeah. So on the busy lives that we mm, live, live, mm, and there's so much mm, going on these days. Like, mm, and it's good to actually. Yeah, but you can go to some big marathons and stuff like that. Like, um, and it's all laid out for you, and it's all very professional, and it's all this and that. Now, but then you go to something like Quarterton and. Uh, the simplicity of it is simple. I'm not saying it was sim- simple to put mm. the gas. Obviously, a lot of work is into it, but uh, it's just free running and it's, it's beautiful places. And, mm. and it seems uh, to be getting more and more momentum every single year. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then they have the the big one, the big. They were doing the board in one day. I wouldn't tell yeah. you. No, I'm tempted with that myself. No, like, I've, seen, of, I've seen the boys. A couple of friends done that last year. Yeah, and, like, yeah. They are. A couple of boys in our club did it. Like, and they're really good athletes. athletes they got that tough, like. But they got that tough. Yeah. There's always a new challenge for everybody. Quadrathon's very special. To do it again. So what, but what you said to me one time, Robert, I can't call myself a quadrathon runner until I've done four quadrathons four years in a row. <laughs> 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 um, so what do you think this journey has sort of brought to you and the changes? So 2010 you start. If you think of Eamon Murphy in 2018, Eamon Murphy now in 2018. What do you think it's brought you? Uh, like has it changed you in any way or form, do you think? Um, I'd like to think so, yeah. Um, it's all about the inches now. Huh? It's all about the inches now. Yeah, it was about <laughs> inches last week. I don't know, I think it's just... It's uh, all about your mental strength. Oh, definitely. If you can yeah. think about that. Definitely, yeah. Well, I never thought, I never would have thought I would have had the strength, the mental strength to do some of those events. Like the, the stubbornness. But that's stubbornness. Mm. I don't know if that's mental strength or not. I have stubbornness and I won't, I won't quit. Like, mm. I have no DNFs, if you want to call them that. Yeah. Um, and I'm not saying I won't have, I'm just saying I don't have. And uh, because, um, but like day three, day two, day three, not three last year, comrades, was as close. As you would have come to because it was a bad first day, yeah, it was a bad first day, and uh, my sister came up. Uh, I think it was number forty or something I was doing, or fifty, fifty, and she came up to see me finishing it. And I wish she hadn't done like because I was crawling nearly along the road. On day one, of course, on day two, I think I was ready to quit it, and then day three I was running and day four. So it's strange, like, just this mental strength to come. But you have mm. to be, I suppose, if you're signing up for something like that, there's no way I'm thinking it's easy, like yeah, no way. going to complete it. Absolutely not. There's no way I would think like that. So, um, so uh, I learned, I think my first ever marathon was Newry, and then um, I remember then my second one that year was Dublin. But I never trained for it, I just thought, I'm a marathon runner now, so I'm just <laughs> going to just get the bus or everybody else. And I went to Dublin, and I think Yvonne, my sister, and she came down with me, and 16 miles, I was destroyed at 16 miles, walked, walked, Because I thought I had this thing sort, yeah, yeah, yeah. sorted, look. but ever since then, that's all you know. But you've gained a lot of strength over the last mm. like twelve months in running these marathons yeah. and back to back marathons. Yeah. I met you in Belfast marathon and had a run up to catch you and um but you'd run a marathon the day before. Was it marathon? Yes, it was. Oh two days on the Saturday I had oh, yeah. killing Doherty's marathon, yeah. But you still managed like a three fifty or something and Yeah. Was it? Well, yeah, it was, it was around three fifty something. 
And your body does just sort of adapt to it, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. I think that one helped because on Saturday I had done the Killing and Doherty one and it was brutal. And I had a tough day that day, but it was on the hills, four loops mm. on the hills. So when I came to Belfast and I had one day's rest in between, I must have, I just was loosened up a bit. Had <laughs> one day's rest? Well, I don't know. Maybe, maybe that depends. Mm. Like it, it loosens up. But I mean, there was one year I did 16 marathons in one year. But all my times dropped away off. Yeah. Like the more you were doing, the more... Uh, you, you can go past it's a fine balance like yeah, you start to lose yeah, your pace yeah, yeah, you yeah. can't get it back if you're yeah. going into a race after a race yeah, like yeah. you still have to strip it back but sometimes it can just keep building mm. yeah so if you, like you run a real tough race on the saturday mm. a marathon and then you have a day's mm. rest and then you're on a 350 yeah. and like i remember doing one uh, a back-to-back in Ackle a couple of years ago back-to-back event and the first day was the worst weather i've ever run in my life i mean i was running with this american guy and we we're coming across the front of Ackle. Uh, Keen Bay, I think it's called, and there's an inland lake here on the right, and that's what they do all the surfing, kite surfing and mm. stuff. And then to your left is the sea, and the wind was coming off the lake that hard that it was actually cutting you in the face. And me and this guy had the two buffs, one from the top down, one from the neck up, and you could see these slits in the eyes. And then it was so bad that day, Kyle O'Hagan held onto a gate from stop to stop from being blown away. Held onto a gate. But anyway, we got that finished. And the second day was a heat wave. <laughs> and that's the sort of thing you know, you yeah, know yeah, yeah. Uh, back to back in Ackle so I love those type of things so I know you're only home mm. have you got an inkling of what's next for him well I have signed up for energy next week <laughs> before I left I signed up for 24 hours yeah but I, ha- no, but I haven't signed up for 24 hours I signed up for 100k okay so I don't know what time to give you to do that in I don't know but mm. I'll see you blisters here on my feet and stuff and uh, I'm not going to do it yeah, so you'd be glad to get another sort of bash on it. I oh yeah, yeah. After the yeah, yeah, I'm good to go. Yeah, sort of I'm good to go. Out of you and yeah, yeah, I'm good to go. I'd, like, I'd be interested to see how how I am. Comrades, now become a training run for you for your hundred k. But I'd like interesting to see how I am after something like that, you know. Yeah, brilliant. Yeah. And then, um, do you do you read at all? Not much. Uh, not a lot. No, nothing to do with nothing to do. I was going to ask you. You know, do you have? You know, what's your your most inspirational book or inspirational person? Oh, well, I had a book I read. I suppose a while ago. It's um, it's just like a book I was reading when I was doing counselling training. The road less travelled. Uh, M. Scott Peck. Young. It's a good book to read then. Good book to read about all sorts of things generally. I'm not really interested in reading books about sports people or being inspired by mm. sports people or anything like that because. Whatever it is with these people, they have their own thing. Mm. So whatever I do, it'll be my own thing. So you can really take things from people like, uh, well, Roy Keane or something like that, or yeah. stubbornness that he has or something. Uh, Alex Ferguson, Alex how, Ferguson. How, how good of a leader he yeah, was. Yeah, yeah, definitely, I mean? definitely. And uh, yeah, and expecting the best of yourself all the time when you go out of it. But not so much reading the book to say, oh, this person would inspire me. Yeah, I'm, I'm just really conscious of the time that we have here next. I feel like I could just start a brand new podcast here <laughs> and you've done 60 races, you've done a lot of back-to-back races, mm. you've come on a, an amazing journey after mm. the last eight years and um, you know I came here to listen to about the comrades yeah, yeah. and there's another bloody plant, seed planted in my <laughs> head <laughs> every time I you go so. around. I hope so. And um, I can definitely see it's something I'm going to embark on. In, in the future. Um, thanks very much, Eamon. Yeah, I wish you all the luck with Anna Jared's next weekend, is it? It's next weekend, yeah. What day is that on? Saturday or Sunday? I think it's on Sunday. I don't even know. 
I think it starts on Saturday, finishes on Sunday. Twin on Saturday. Yeah, I, no, I think Energy starts on Saturday, finishes on Sunday. Okay, very good. Mm -hmm. And um, But it sounds like I'm going to come back That's later right. on and sort of dip into this 60 Martins. So I'm really mm -hmm. interested in, you know, uh, there's this guy living next door in Warren Point. He's done uh, 60 Martins. He's done all yeah. these back-to-backs. He's done quads. He's, tr he's actually travelled around the world to New York, London, mm -hmm. all these Martins and some really great inspirational stories there to be had. But the message I want to bring across, we're just ordinary people exactly. doing amazing exactly. things, exactly. do you know what I mean? And is, yeah. When you come into that community mm. of people, it sort of opens your own mind, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. And you start breaking down the limits yourself and wondering, mm. well, you know, if that person's doing mm. that, then well, well, could I have a go at yeah, that yeah, myself? Simon, thanks very much. Well, well right. done on um, much. Comrades. Um, much, it's been an impressive journey watching mm. you on Facebook. Right. And I wish you all the luck next week. Thank you very much, mate. Good morning.